Hi everyone, this is Jill Flaxington from the Road to Health Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. As you might be able to tell, we are not in our studio. We are recording this episode and all future episodes remotely until we can get back into our offices. But we didn't want to hold off on sharing information that's important to you, so here we are. We ask that you please forgive us for any less than perfect sound quality though. So today we asked our behavioral health team at Blue Cross to join us for a discussion around substance use disorders during the pandemic. Unfortunately, other serious health issues don't just go away during a pandemic. They can get even more difficult to manage. So we wanted to talk about what resources are available here in Rhode Island. Joining me now are Rena Sheehan, our Managing Director of Clinical Integration at Blue Cross, Sarah Fleury, our Manager of Behavioral Health at Blue Cross, and Dr. Victor Pincus, our newest Medical Director here at Blue Cross. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to get out of the way so that you all can talk about this topic, but I will kick things off for you guys with a question. Substance use disorders impact so many Rhode Islanders, so many families, so many people throughout the state. But for people who don't know much about substance use disorders, what are some of the challenges when it comes to receiving treatment and how might those challenges have changed or amplified during the pandemic for people? You know, it's a it's difficult in, in a normal everyday um, environment that we were living in earlier um, because of lack of resources, lack of providers, um, lack of knowledge of what's out there for help um, for both alcohol and opioid uh, disorders. However, it's become even more uh, difficult in this uh, pandemic because of social distancing. Um, First, I guess we should talk about what is medical-assisted treatment. Medical-assisted treatment is the use of medications such as methadone, buprenorphine, and Subutex, and naltrexone to treat opioid abuse. And what people don't realize is that there is medical-assisted uh, treatment for alcohol use disorder. It, there's an abstinence base um, where you're not drinking at all. Uh, and use, using medications. And then there are some that uh, some providers that try to mitigate harm by using medication while people are actively drinking, which is important to remember that people who are um, in the throes of uh, alcohol use disorder may not realize that they can reduce the amount that they're drinking or, or the harm that uh, they're receiving by drinking by taking medication. Those medications are also naltrexone. There's another medication uh, called a compressate that can be used. And also some uh, providers use uh, gabapentin and baclofen. So, you know, with regards to opioid treatment, the difficult uh, thing uh, originally was that um, the DEA has very strict rules with regarding prescribing methadone and buprenorphine. And the rules were that you, for providers, were that you had to be X-waved. You had to have a specific waiver in training, which is uh, significant. And for patients, you had to prevent, present to the provider in person. And there were DEA rules around how much uh, medication can be prescribed. So um, importantly, the DEA... Uh, has relaxed those regulations. So now that, and SAMHSA has, SAMHSA, which is the Society of Addiction Medicine, has put out policy statements that um, patients can uh, get uh, medical assisted treatment using buprenorphine and telemedicine uh, intakes. So you could be a new patient, 
and uh, find a provider and start treatment without having to present in person. That's brand new uh, since the pandemic started. For methadone, you still have to present uh, in person to the clinic to get started. Um, but however, for stable patients in methadone and buprenorphine, uh, the DEA put out policy statements that you're able to receive those medications for a 28-day period, which is uh, you know, a really important uh, aspect uh, of the disease is, is the anxiety of where, when am I going to get my medications? How long are they going to last? What happens if I run out? Um, not to mention the anxiety of the pandemic itself getting sick. I would agree. And one of the other things that makes it more difficult is that a lot of folks who are in recovery or, you know, in the process of achieving their recovery rely so much on their support systems. And again, with social distancing and the pandemic, some of the support systems may not feel as readily available as they once were. So people who relied on going to meetings once a day or twice a day um, are now maybe feeling like they don't have that sense of connection or that access. Um, The other thing that can also make it difficult is not having that routine anymore. So, you know, for people who are, you know, accustomed to getting up, going somewhere, doing something, and then maybe going to counseling on one day, a meeting on another day, all of those things with social distancing are, you know, more far more difficult to do in this environment. And so, you know, it's really important to think of other more creative ways in this situation to be able to maintain those social connections and those social supports that are so important to keeping recovery. I would say that one of the things that, um, you know, the community's done really well is they have responded creatively to some of the needs of um, people with substance use disorders. So, you know, there are um, 12-step meetings that are uh, people are able to go to um, by Zoom, so they're able to still connect with their, with their recovery community. Um, you know, there are lots of resources out there for people who are, are trying to access recovery. Um, peer recovery coaches are still uh, working with people telephonically to uh, deliver services. So that's been really great as well. Yeah, I agree. One of the aspects of, of uh, buprenorphine assisted treatment is the counseling. And there are a significant number of uh, resources um, that uh, patients can access virtually, which is, is very important. Um, in uh, as part of the treatment, it's not just the medication alone. It's medication plus counseling, and that also works for med- medical uh, medication assisted treatment in alcohol as well. Um, so I, I believe that most of the providers in the Rhode Island area have telemedicine capability. The question that becomes uh, that's important is do the do the patients have that capability of accessing their provider by telemedicine? And that can be particularly challenging for folks who maybe have limited data plans or, you know, maybe just aren't as technologically savvy. Um, For, you know, our provider network has really, you know, done an amazing job of getting up and running on telemedicine. And, you know, that's available to our members, um, you know, right now at no cost share. Um, There's also a fair amount of treatment that's happening just over the telephone. So not even having to have all the video equipment or be comfortable with the two-way audio visual components. So, you know, right now, 
you know, services are available just by telephone. And so hoping that, you know, that makes it seem a little bit more accessible to people, um, that it's, you know, just maybe their therapist is a phone call away or that they can maintain their treatment in two different ways. So hoping that, you know, through telemedicine, people can maybe have their treatment be uninterrupted to some degree. But this behavioral health provider community has really, you know, done well in getting telemedicine up and running very quickly. Rena, that's an excellent point. That is not just it's not just video capable uh, visits. It's also the telephone. Um, telemedicine incorporates both of those those uh, um, modalities in its definition. I think one of the other things too is um, I don't know about anybody else, but. Um, I'm pretty sedentary for about eight or nine hours a day, right? So at least when I was in the office, you could take the stairs, you go from room to room. And here I go, you know, not that far all day. Um, And so, you know, my exercise routine is a little bit changed and interrupted. And I, I would you know, go on a limb and say that might be the case for a lot of people. And, you know, we have to remember always that our body and our mind are so connected. And, you know, not only is it harder to stay active and move around more with all the social distancing and gyms not being open, but it gets harder to eat healthy too. Um, You know, you go to the grocery store, there's not an overabundance of produce available or fresh foods available. So, you know, it's also important for folks, all, you know, for all people, but, you know, particularly people who are struggling to maintain their recovery to, to keep their bodies as healthy as possible. Um, so trying to, you know, avoid the temptation of, you know, chronic baking, you know, if anybody's experiencing that, but, you know, as a coping skill, um, which can be good if it's healthy, but, you know, just trying to think about, again, how do you maintain um, your bodies in a way that's healthy. Um, you know, we have the, we have virtual Facebook class, um, exercise classes available, you know, via Facebook. And there's a lot of, um, apps out there and video streaming that are offering these free trials and things like that. So, you know, keeping your body moving and eating healthy and hopefully with some of the nice weather, within all of the rules, you know, be easier to get outside, go for a walk and, you know, get, get the blood pumping a little bit, which can be helpful. Yeah. I, with re, you mentioned apps, like there, there's a number of like, um, behavioral, uh, counseling apps like Talkspace and, um, I can't remember the name of the other one, but, and there's also cognitive behavioral therapy apps like WhatsApp. Uh, and you know, they don't, you don't have face to face, but they kind of walk you through, through problems and and mindfulness and and how to how to attack those problems or or develop a toolbox. Um, I guess the other thing I would like to say is that you know not only for people who are have existing problems and are struggling, there are this situation is set up um, to develop a problem. Um, there's a tremendous amount of anxiety around being isolated, um, not having your support structure. People with uh, generalized anxiety or even mild anxiety um, can't underestimate the amount of pressure that this situation is putting on them um, from a mental health aspect. So um, people who you know normally have a couple of cocktails a week may start to medicate uh, unknowingly because of all the anxiety. So this is a setup situation for... 
um, developing an, an alcohol problem or another substance use problem um, it, because it can be a learned behavior. You know, I, I believe that alcohol, alcohol use disorder is a learned behavior, um, uh, chemical learned behavior. So, and it is a disease. It fits the disease model as well. But so in April, uh, alcohol sales were up nationally like 71%. So that's, you know, that's not necessarily um, a good thing. It's a good thing if you're an alcohol retail, retailer, but not necessarily a good thing from a, uh, a mental health aspect. Do you have any thoughts about how people can gauge, you know, when might this start to turn into a problem? Sure, there's a lot of tools out there. Um, that uh, I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, that people can take online quizzes, they can do a cage, they can do an online cage or an audit 10, which are specific questions that um, you can answer that can put you in a category of, you know, mild, moderate or severe use. Um, so I, I don't have any particular, uh, apps. I know they're out there and I know there are online resources where you can just, you know, uh, Google or, or like, do I have a problem with alcohol and then take the quiz. I think one thing that we talked about earlier, um, that's probably important to talk about here, Dr. Pincus was, um, you had mentioned how important it is for people to still, know that they can access the hospital or the emergency department if they feel like they're in crisis. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. So my other, uh, my other specialty, which I've actually been practicing longer, is emergency medicine. And the emergency departments are still open. And if you're in crisis, you know, one of the problems is the volumes in all the emergency departments is significantly down, 30 to 50% in our state. And, some, and because people are staying home because they're afraid of contracting um, SARS-CoV-2 or COVID, the problem with that is people are waiting longer than they would normally wait to address problems. And, and I would imagine that um, mental health and substance use disorder are probably at the top of the list. Um, you know, people aren't coming in for their chest pain or for their stroke symptoms. But, you know, these departments are open. Uh, they are doing their best and I would say an excellent job at protecting patients that present they're open for business to take care of all comers. Uh, they have to be prepared for that. That doesn't mean that they don't screen every single patient that that presents for um, evaluation uh, as a as a potential COVID patient because they have to do that. They have to protect themselves in order to protect the patients that they're taking care of. But those those all the departments are open, and there are urgent cares that are doing evaluations um, in your vehicle. Uh, they'll come out and do the evaluation in the vehicle. So there are 36 of those respiratory care centers across the state so that, that they can help, uh, help patients uh, access um, uh, resources that they need. I think another resource we should probably mention is the availability of BHLink. So that is still um, available now. They have a 24-hour crisis line that people can call and they can do some telephone triage to um, help you with your symptoms and direct you where to go. So BHLink can be reached at 401-414-5465 and they can provide immediate help with a substance use or mental health crisis. One of the other great resources that we came across was um, a website called Shatterproof. 
Um, and there's just such a wealth of information on that site for folks and their families who um, may feel who um, feel like they're struggling with a substance use disorder. Um, they have um, tips about recovery, online recovery resources. So it's it's a very um, helpful site for people who are looking for just information and resources. Again, it's shatterproof.org. Um, also found, you know, in Rhode Island, there's a resource called the, called the Substance Use Mental Health Leadership Council. They also have a website um, and they have a great handout on there about harm reduction strategies for folks. And within that, they have some online uh, recovery communities. So online meetings for things like AA or NA and I'll get so one of the recovery is in the rooms.com. It's a global recovery community, access to daily recovery support meetings, um, including 12 step, smart recovery, and others. Um, that's available at in the rooms.com. There's also unity recovery. Um, dot org, which is free virtual recovery support groups, um, uses a Zoom platform five times a day. So again, there's a, a lot of information out there. It's just trying to figure out how best to find it. Um, but one of the more comprehensive ones are shatterproof.org and the Substance Use Mental Health Leadership Council is also a great resource. In addition to what Sarah had mentioned with BH Link um, for adults. And then in Rhode, Rhode Island, we're also fortunate to have Kids Link which is a 24-7 hotline for parents and caregivers to get info on behavioral health services for children who might be in some sort of emotional crisis. Um, so, and that number is a lot longer, but I'll say it anyway. Um, 1-855-543-5465. Um, and it's also really just a Google away. If you Google Kids Link Rhode Island, it comes right up um, with the phone number and more information about that. It's very encouraging, you know, during this conversation, just talking about all of the resources out there for people, you know, whether you're someone who benefits from reading something that's online or you wanted to connect and actually see people, there are virtual resources. And then, you know, for people who maybe don't want the video resources, you can connect by telephone, you know, by calling BH link or doing um, therapy with your provider via telephone during these times. So, you know, it's really um, encouraging to hear about all the resources um, and how, you know, just hope that people are able to find them when they need them. Um, I didn't know if anybody had any thoughts about, you know, is there, if there was one thing we could direct folks to, what would that be? I think one um, resource that we didn't mention, a local resource in Rhode Island, is the Prevent Overdose RI website. Um, so that has a lot of great information about local resources, um, including the new buprenorphine 24-hour hotline information. So Rhode Island has quickly stood up a hotline where if you're looking to um, get treatment, uh, medication-assisted treatment for substance use disorder, you can um, contact the hotline and um, speak with a doctor over the phone and, and get prescribed medication. So um, that number is 401 606 Five four five six, and there's more information on preventoverdoseri.org. The the one last thing I'd like to say is I think that, you know, if you look for silver linings, one of the 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 silver linings for this pandemic is the relaxing of the telemedicine rules with regard to treatment of addiction, and hopefully that will stick so that m more people at risk will have more access. In easier access 
um, when when we get out of this this situation. And uh, hopefully, the DEA was very quick, and the government was very quick to relax rules to help uh, patients. And hopefully, that'll that'll continue. Right now, a provider has to take a course and. They are limited to the number of patients they can treat with medication. For like, for example, um, when you first get your X waiver, it's only thirty patients, and then it goes up to a hundred, and then to two hundred and seventy-five. A lot of addiction specialists feel that you know those are arbitrary numbers, and that you know we should do away with them. And I kind of agree with that. You know, as a you know emergency physician, I can prescribe, you know, three months of OxyContin. Well, I can't anymore, but you used to be able to, but you couldn't prescribe the treatment for it for more than 275 patients. And you can prescribe as much, you know, uh, you know, narcotics as, as you, as you want. So that's just seems a little bit counterintuitive. So hopefully one of the good things that'll come out of this is the ability to um, contact your, your provider or your counselor more frequently if you're struggling, uh, and uh, there will be more access for people with addiction using new technology and even just the telephone. Yeah, now more than ever, it's it's just so important to stay connected and maintain the connections that you had before the pandemic started, and you know, to the extent possible, seek, seek out the resources that are out there and available to help meet your needs. It's always great to find, you know, hope in these these kinds of times. And on Shutterproof.org, there was a, a story of someone who is in recovery and how they are struggling through the pandemic. They say, in order to get through this, I know I'm going to have to talk myself down from a lot of fear and panic. I'm going to rely on the work I have done, the tools in my toolbox, and the strong friendships I have developed over the years. If there is a time to use all that I have gleaned over the past eight and a half years of recovery, it is now. Stay close to your people, even if you have to give up the hugs, your recovery community, and your higher power, if you believe in one. Recovery makes us strong. We can get through this. And so with that, you know, just a a reminder that, you know, staying connected is so important. And what each of us can do is is to reach out to people. You know, if we know they might be struggling or even if we don't know they might be struggling, reach out, make those connections and, you know, be there for others uh, during this time. So we're going to wrap this episode up now. I thank you, Rena, Sarah and Victor for joining us. Thank you for, for sharing your thoughts and your expertise. Uh, and we cannot say goodbye without me giving a special shout out to our sound engineer, Mark Sheldon, who orchestrated this entire thing and figured out how we could make the podcast happen while we are all separated. So a huge thank you to Mark as well. Thanks everyone for joining us and please stay safe and stay healthy.